Welcome to What's Going On, Eyes on Africa and the Caribbean, the podcast that brings you news and information about the people and events in Africa, the Caribbean, and the diaspora. I'm your host, Maraki Ocean Morton. In this episode, we're talking to Guyanese British author Gareth R. Miles from Swansea, UK. We're talking about his new book, Soul Shakedown. And what's this book about? Let's listen. Soul Shakedown by Gareth R. Miles. Chapter 1, Extra Biological Intelligence. Oh, by the way, in the printed book and the ebook, yeah, there's a glossary for any words you may not immediately get, just so you know. Chapter 1, Extra Biological Intelligence. When I was a little youth back home in Guyana, I used to love go to the creek. Those were good times. I used to go there direct from school every day and stay till the pops come and start bellowing at me like an ox about how it's time to do me homework and milk the goats and thing. The white sand used to be the Sahara Desert and the lizards and the ants was the big and the small dinosaurs. Sometimes all them tall, fine, smooth bark trees used to resemble African warriors too. Tall, tall Maasai warriors all painted up in white and brown and green for battle. Yeah, those was nice times, man. Not like now with all this shooting up and chopping up and thing. What I used to love best Boulder Creek was diving in it from off of the bridge. The way how that deep, deep red of foot from the surface used to just give way to sheer blackness right beneath. That blackness used to frighten me bad, but I just keep on diving deeper and deeper like my terror gave me gills. I dive and dive till I couldn't dive no more. Then I'd go barreling to the surface like cannonball and splash around gasping and gulping like Bangamere Pan fishing line. That is how it feel when I plug myself into the soul scope. I didn't know what they were asked to expect when I first pick up them electrode things and stick them from my temples. I just there staring up at one horrific, squirming mass of gutty and treaty looking things that they wrap around one cast iron looking globe that they're hanging suspended from the ceiling with the electrode things dangling from it like daddy long legs legs. A sheer terror this thing inspiring in my gut, but they got an outraged determination deep down inside there that's stronger than the fear. I press them electrodes hard up on my temples and they're sticking and then it's like I diving in the creek again. Instead of, the, instead of the sharp, cold jolt I used to get from the creek water, it's a tingly heat I feel in all through me. But other than that, it's just like diving. The same sense of pressure upon my eardrums and my eyesight gone out. Baps! Just like that. When I try to touch my head and I can't feel it, now my other arm when I grasp it, now my legs, my belly, my eggs and sausage, that is when I really start panicking. You can't just take away a man whole body and expect enough of panic. I feeling like I'm going to be trapped in this pitch black nothingness forever. Next thing is a heavy, heavy pressure I feeling all around me, like one commodity constricting me to my ribs one pop, and then, but ups, I torpedoing towards something I ain't even know is what. Something like a massive cluster of diamonds and stalactite-looking crystals. It's just blazing out light, all colors like a prism, intense and crackly like it's rainbow and lightning's love child. I now hit this light and it wrap around me and start throwing me around like hurricane winds. Next thing I know, I crashing into this crystally, whatever it be, but I ain't feeling no impact. 
I just kind of melt straight through it and then inside it and then the weight now. I should fill you all in on some things before I get into that. So that was a tiny excerpt from Gareth Miles' new book, Soul Shakedown, A Metaphysical Adventure. And we're fortunate to have Gareth here with us today to talk about his book. Thanks for joining us, Gareth. Thank you very much, Veronica. Thanks so much for having me on your show. Uh, um, thanks for the opportunity. It's a pleasure to be here. I love this book. I can't, I can't say it enough. I oh, enjoyed it. I laughed, I laugh out aloud practically through every page. Uh, so this is this is uh, this is a fabulous piece of work, and I, I want everybody to go out and get this book. And I'm sure after you've heard after they've heard you today, Gareth, they will do that. So tell us a little bit what what's this book about, and who or what was the inspiration for the story? Hey, well, um, first of all, thank you so much. Very honored uh, for that um, little review there, Baranke. Um So um, my my name is Gareth. R. Miles and my first novel, uh, Soul Shakedown, uh, subtitled A Metaphysical Adventure, available on Amazon, is um, say loosely falls under the science fiction slash fantasy label, um, also incorporating lots of elements of um, Caribbean, and in particular Guyanese uh, folklore and uh, oral storytelling style. So it's a first-person narration of um, a character I made up. He's not me, but he's a Guyanese guy um, named Compton. And uh, he's telling you the story of his uh, adventures. Um, and it's, um, how would I describe what it's about? Um, before I get into like the plot line without giving too much away. Yeah, don't give it away. Don't give it away. We want, us, we want you, them to get the book. <laughs> attempting to do um, <laughs> succeeds on at least two different levels. First, I hope, first and foremost, I hope it's an exciting adventure, science fiction, fantasy adventure. It has all the elements that, you know, makes people want to turn the page and tune into the next episode. You know, so that it's got, you know, human drama, action, adventure, excitement, romance, heartbreak, all that stuff people like. And um, and hope it succeeds purely on that level as entertainment and can be read purely on that level, should people so choose. But I hope it also, if you want to maybe read some, shall we say, deeper things into it, that it also is, can be read on a level as being an exploration of some deeper, um, shall we say, philosophical, uh, metaphysical, as the subtitle suggests, and uh, political topics. Namely, um, the nature of the soul I mean, let's assume there is such a thing as a soul. Well, what is it anyway? How does it? How does this soul work? Is there human the organisms have biology, ecology, things like that? Is there any equivalent to the souls? So, explores those kind of topics, um, metaphysically and politically speaking. You could read perhaps metaphorically into it some commentary on the uses and abuses of political power. If you want to read it on that level. I hope it succeeds. I would hope on all those. Um, as far as um, plot-wise, without giving too much away, I'll just read the back of the book. You've heard the excerpt at the beginning. Um, here's the back. Headline is, of the blurb is, Soul Food. It's not just a Southern cuisine. Everything seems to be looking up for young Guyanese father, Compton Sharp. He's got a beautiful baby daughter, a devoted fiancé, a dirt-cheap place to stay at his dad's house in New Jersey, and to top it all off, he's just landed an incredibly well-paid, yet ridiculously easy job as a janitor in a local lab. Sure, there does seem to be something a bit 
peculiar about the scientists in this lab. But with a meal ticket like this, Compton's more than happy to put up with their little eccentricities. Until, that is, he stumbles upon the true nature of the scientists' experiments and is forced to embark on a desperate quest to save his daughter from a fate too sinister to contemplate with a little help from a colorful cast of family and friends and from the natural mystic. Blending elements of science fiction slash fantasy, Caribbean folklore, and metaphysical speculation, Soul Shakedown is a roller coaster ride into the spiritual realm for thrill seekers, deep thinkers, and soul adventurers everywhere. All right. That is good. That's a, a real um, a real teaser there for, for our listeners here. So so the book is written in Guyanese Creolese. Is that your audience or, or Guyanese people your audience or what? Yes and no. Um, yes, because um, I definitely wanted to represent the Guyanese oral tradition in written form. And I definitely wanted to hopefully perhaps inspire um, other Guyanese to read and to write uh, more in that um way. I feel we don't honor and respect our own language, tradition, and culture enough and often trying to kind of imitate and emulate um, other people and ways of speaking when we have our own uh, justice valid. So it's an attempt to kind of project that Guyanese oral storytelling vibe into the world and connect with other Guyanese, but certainly also with anybody in general. I don't want my book to be the audience to be limited to Guyanese, but to anybody who likes a good story, that's where really my audience want to be is what I hope I accomplish writing a number one, a good story. And I want my audience to be anybody who likes a good story. I don't think that writing it in dialect will necessarily put off those who are not from that cultural background. What I feel is that often uh, we from, let's say, uh, quote unquote, minorities is a misnomer because, you know, people of color are certainly not a minority in the world, but um, as represented in the literary world, you know, it's very much still dominated by, you know, white upper class male kind of uh, people are kind of the, the main template of the literary world still, the literary world still. So it's an attempt to kind of, you know, project our own culture into that world as well. And I think it can appeal to, to anybody. Um, I think just as when I was growing up as a kid in Guyana, reading science fiction, um, and I think this would apply to a lot of uh, people of color who grew up reading science fiction and other literature in general, you'd mm-hmm. find that you don't see people who look, sound, or talk, or act like you represented a lot uh, traditionally. And when you do, they're often presented as the alien other. Right. Whereas the people right. you're supposed to identify with are, you know, the people who don't look sound and act like you. So you almost have to kind of put yourself in the shoes of um, somebody else. So if I can do that and did that with all these stories featuring, you know, you know, white protagonists, white American protagonists from a different background culture than myself, the same applies to those from that background. They too can put themselves into our shoes by reading things, something in, in our voice. So we shouldn't feel that we have to um, speak in somebody else's voice for them to hear us. We can speak in our own voice and have ourselves and others hear us. So that's one of the things I was trying to do with that- writing it in Creepies. But um, this one thing I want to say, I didn't set out to write and make that point, to write a book in Creepies to establish Creepies uh, 
as part of the literary canon or anything like that. I simply wrote it because of the character who came into my mind, who kind of I created or who I followed as on his adventures and as he became a more or less a kind of a real person. That's how he speaks, that's how he talks. And he's he's telling the story, not me. And so he speaks clearly, so that's how he talks. That's kind of like interesting. I mean, uh, to to hear that that you didn't start out writing writing in that in that voice, but yet as well, the I character developed, I didn't sit down and say, "I'm going to write a book in uh, in Creoles." Mm-hmm. To to I was just like this character occurred to me and started talking. And that's his voice, so I tried to kind of go with his voice. Nice, say. interesting, very interesting. So now the story is set primarily in East Orange, or at least it starts out that way. Why did you choose that as the setting? Uh, simply because I used to live in East Orange, uh, briefly, and uh, the story, the the action in the story takes place in, um, well, actually it takes place in a parallel universe, but that's not that important. It's quite similar to this one. So East Orange, New Jersey, uh, Brooklyn, New York, and uh, Georgetown, Guyana figure prominently, prominently um, in the book. And I've lived or hung out in all those places, so... That's quite simple. <laughs> I flip there. And um, also, I guess um, I wanted to have a book where the characters are ordinary people who are kind of a bit like superheroes still, but they're just ordinary people and they're quite flawed, ordinary people from kind of the quote unquote bottom rungs of society who perhaps are not um, typically the people who would be cast as heroes in um, mainstream literature. In fact, Maybe they'd be more tend to be cast as villains. They're perhaps, you know, petty criminals in some sense. They're committing victimless crimes, but they're, you know, they're poor people doing little petty crimes of economic survival. And they're not, you know, particularly like, quote unquote, super upright, morally people. They're, you know, they might occasionally cheat on their spouses and this and that. And they're they're not perfect people in any way, but they're, they have a bit of a superhero in them. Each one does. And, um, I hope I brought that out. And the reason I said that in connection with um, sitting in East Orange and Brooklyn and all these places, that you know, these places that are considered ghettos. I certainly could relate to, um, to all of those uh, locations that you, that you talked about. And just going back a little bit to the, to the uh, uh, Creelys format that you had, and I think you're perfectly right. The, I mean, I've, I've read books written by Chinese authors who have gone back into their authentic voice. And I don't speak Chinese, but I know that when you get into the book, you just go with the flow. And it's the same thing because they're also into the oral tradition. It's the same with African books and also African-American um, uh, writers who go back and they use the um, the, the authentic uh, voice of that, of that community. And it's almost refreshing. And it certainly takes you into, into their world. And, and once you're in there, you start getting uh, very comfortable. And, and earlier you'd mentioned that there was some commentary. I mean, uh, but I, I think you're demure on that part because there's quite a bit of commentary uh, in there. You, you take on the economic and the social issues of society. And, and the way that you present it is, is very interesting because you, there, is, there is empathy and there is also humor so you're in this in this world of of these uh, you know this, the the petty uh, criminal behavior, and yet at the same time you're not distracted by it. You don't feel separated uh, from it. You almost feel 
some connection and they almost uh you have because you have one character who spent time in prison and you talked about him and and you made him real and funny at the same time and i thought that that was um I was going to say pretty magical, but it's incredibly creative the way that you were able to to weave that in there. So you can talk about very serious issues, and yet at the same time, there is humor in it. So it's not painful to the extent that it would ordinarily be, although the pain is still there, but you're also able to understand it within the context of that person's life and also the society that we're, we're living in. You... Consciously doing that, bringing in that, that, because I know you're very political and you're very socially conscious and you're uh, very active and vocal. Was this something that, that you felt that you had to do or did it come naturally with the character and with the environment? Um, I think a bit of both, but definitely, I, and I hope more of the latter, because the last thing I wanted my book to be was a kind of political treatise or uh, what would you call it, a manifesto or something, a kind of a dry thing with a moral or an Aesop's, but not an Aesop's fable, it's a dry, but I didn't want it to be something like that with just a didactic kind of moral, but it definitely has, you know, the, as you could tell, uh, political undertones, you could say, or perhaps overtones, <laughs> depending on how much you pick up on them. And um, I don't want to give too much away about the plot or the characters, but um, perhaps it's not given too much away to say that um, the, the villains are could be seen as perhaps a metaphor for um, the system that we live in. Mm-hmm. When I say we, I mean pretty much everybody in the world and pretty much every country in the world. Absolutely. Nowhere you can, nowhere you can look at it's not in some way divided between elites and uh, masses, oppressor and oppressed, comes in different forms and different guises, and uh, but it exists in some form all over the world. Mm-hmm. It always have to exist. That's one of the questions perhaps I could ask in a book, and I hope um, maybe people would read it and find the answer for themselves if there is a message there. But, um, but definitely there's a lot of... Um, political metaphors you could read in the book, um, which is one of the reasons it's set in a parallel universe. It was a way I could kind of satirize certain things and without mentioning, you know, real people by real names. Mm-hmm. So that was a little kind of... Because that, that was also interesting too, is that you don't mention anyone's name and you don't give a description. But as you said, th- this is something that everybody can relate to all over the world. So you can actually put, as a reader, a, a, a character to whatever it is that you're talking about. You can, you can, you know, put a name to what what you're saying that fits the the environment in which you you come from. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So so I, I think you're right. The the folks um will read it and make sense of it the way that their own environment is is put together. Was it was that a fair characterization or or am I yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what I want, I hope it's everybody It's your book, takes. so I don't, I don't want to ruin every it. Book too, and book belongs to the writer and also to every reader. So I want people to take away what they want to take away from it. It might be something completely different from what I thought I was um, putting into it, but whatever people take away from it is fine by me. Going back to, I think you asked me a question before I didn't quite finish answering because you asked me what the book's about and what inspired it. I think mm-hmm. I said a bit about what it's about but didn't really get into what inspired it. Um, so maybe I'll address that briefly. And I'll say it generally and specifically. Generally, 
as I've been mentioning, Guyana and the experience of growing up in Guyana is definitely highly inspirational, Guyana and Guyanese. And the characters are, none of them are versions of real people I know or who are just put on the paper, but a lot of them have elements of people I know to varying degrees. And obviously, well, I think all authors' characters inevitably have elements of themselves in them, but nobody's supposed to be me or anybody I know, but there's elements of myself and people I know in all of them. So um, obviously just people I grew up around and the culture I grew up around was a main inspiration because Guyana is such a fascinating and unique place that's in, it's unique in many ways. It's um, apart from being the only English speaking country in South America, it's a place where many worlds meet, I would say. It's a place where um, the, Amazonian, South American native culture meets in the interior, meets the more Caribbean island-like culture of the coast. It's a place where, due to the history of, you know, colonialism and imperialism and slavery and indentured servitude, literally people from all four corners of the earth are there. We have the native peoples, you've got African people, we have Asian people from the Indian subcontinent and from yeah. China, mm -hmm. Portuguese people. Everyone from everyone is there, all the religions, you know, all the Abrahamic religions, Christianity, Judaism, Islam, plus Hinduism, African retention religions that still exist, the native religions that still exist. We have, you know, all religions, all cultures kind of in this little small, well, not small physically, but population-wise, there's only a million people. So it's kind of a microcosm of the whole world. Mm -hmm. So I so to do um represent this fascinating place I grew up in in literary form. Um, so Guyana and Guyanese are inspiration book, but specifically how I started writing it, the two images, both from my childhood childhood in Guyana, and they both came into that little excerpt you would have heard at the beginning. So I just sat down to write with these two images in my mind. I didn't really know what the story was going to be or where it was going to go or what was going to happen. I just had these two images in my mind. And those were, one was, there's a little creek in Guyana, and Guyana is... In the native, one of the native languages, it means the land of many waters. It's full of rivers and creeks. And the creeks are quite unique because they're um because of the minerals in the water, they're a deep red color. It looks black if black when it's in the shadow or deep red in the sunlight. Mm -hmm. So you call them water creeks or black water creeks. And there was a little creek we used to go to when I was growing up in Guyana. We also used to dive in the creek and uh so we had a great time there. So that first image of um diving in the creek and into the cold water. Um, that was um, in my mind um, from my childhood, and I started off the book with that image of diving into the creek, which I guess you could say is a fairly obvious metaphor for delving into the subconscious. Right. Um, and the other image was um, the image you would have seen at the beginning of the, the device or a structure um, that the, the, that plays a significant role in the story um, that the character sees and is horrified by this kind of metallic yet organic. Uh, spherical squirming object covered with covered with tentacle-like things. This actually came from a nightmare I had when I, was, when I was a child in Guyana that you know terrified me at the time. I always remember that image, and I kind of dredged that out of my mind and put it on paper together with that other memory of diving into the creek. And then this, I just had this image occur to me of this guy, uh, Compton, or who became Compton, witnessing this um this device. And remembering diving into the creek, and it all kind of came from there. I didn't know what was going to happen, really, initially. So um, 
yeah, those were the initial direct inspirations from it. And I, I wonder, I'd like to ask a lot of writers how much of their stories are inspired by images from dreams. I think, I, I bet a lot are. Yes, I, I, I think so too. I, I do believe that that, uh, that may be the case. And, but for sure, a lot of them also, I would say a lot of them, but some actually do draw from from childhood memories and and uh, so it's it's it, it's interesting to you hear you say that you that it came out of that. I, I'll just say that you wove them together uh, and then to bring us back to this character, uh, it, it worked it worked very very uh, very well. Thank you so, so much. Um, the title Soul Shakedown, a metaphysical adventure. What was the significance of the title? Well, originally, um, before it was a novel, um, Soul Shakedown was a short story or a novelette called Soul Food, was the original title, Mm -hmm. for reasons that will become apparent to when you read the story. I won't give too much away by saying much about that, but you'll kind of see why it's called that when you read the story. And uh, and I can't remember what point I changed to Soul Shakedown, but um, the line comes from a Bob Marley song, actually Bob Marley Another Bob Marley song, Natural Mystic, figures uh, prominently in in the book. Again, I won't go too much into that. You'll find out that for yourself. But uh, the line is from a Bob Marley song, Soul Shakedown Party. Mm-hmm. Classic old old song when they were the Whalers, the Whaling Whalers, um, mm-hmm. back in the 70s or late 60s, whenever it may have been. Um, back in the days of Ska and Rocksteady, yeah, it's just a lovely song uh, about a party. But um, it also has a double meaning, of course, a shakedown. It's not just shaking at the party. It's also a robbery. Right. And, uh, you'll see why that also has significance again when you read the book. Okay. So, uh, yeah, okay. So what, what's the future for the, for the characters? Uh, are we going to see a sequel at some point? Definitely. Um, what's in the works right now, what I have already written about, I'd say, a fifth written, and I need to start back working on, is not a sequel, but a semi-sequel in that um, some of the major characters in Soul Shakedown show up as minor characters in this one and wow. some of the minor See, characters. See, I, I, knew, I knew it. I knew it. It's a different kind of book. That is, you know, Soul Shakedown is where they gathers the first-person narration from this character, Compton, written in Guyanese, a Creolese dialect. Um, this one would be a uh, more conventional third-person narrative in standard English, going through different people's viewpoints. It's not going to be all Guyanese characters in this book. I hadn't mentioned that before. I said um, that all the characters in the book are are in, in soldiers and are Guyanese, uh, really. Or the, or, I know some are Black American, but there are no really kind of like your typical white characters who you would star in a Hollywood movie. Just right. Like existence. It's all, you know. The people who are normally the, the extras in the Hollywood movie are all the characters in a Soul Shakedown. But um, the semi-sequel, um, provisionally titled Brooklyn Die Die, I'll explain why in a minute, is um, a more uh, a broader palette of characters. It's got Guyanese, it's got you know others too, it's got white people, black people, this, that, all kind of people in it. And from lots of different viewpoints. Um, and... Even more stronger comedic element. I want to really emphasize the com- bring out the comedy in um, Brooklyn Die Die. So that's a semi sequel, um, bit of a different book that'll um, draw on um, uh, Soul Shakedown, but not a direct sequel to it. But what? But um, and I'll say a bit about the title Brooklyn Die Die again. I wanted to bring a bit of Guyanese folklore to the forefront. Um, Soul Shakedown. Exp- we got so many supernatural creatures in Guyanese folklore that make great. Um, subjects for you know 
horror, science fiction, fantasy, what you, you name it. So Soul Shakedown is based around one folkloric creature we have called the Old Haig. Oh, I'm Trinidad, familiar. They yes. Trinidad, they call it the Sukuyan, Trinidad and Tobago. In Guyana, it's the Old Haig, same similar creature. Um, and you find out in the books what an old egg is. I won't tell you too much, but basically it's a kind of a vampire-like creature that can also manifest as a ball of fire. Um, but um, in the next one, in the Brooklyn, Brooklyn Dida, I'm going to go into a different Guyanese supernatural creature called the Bush Dida, which is, um, you know, the Sasquatch or the Bigfoot or yes. In, yes. You know, the Yankee or the Abominable Snowman, the, you know, the ape, the mythical or some say perhaps not mythical um ape man um well and guy and i have their own version of that but instead of a big foot um he or she is a little foot he's about a three foot tall um hairy little hominid he lives in the jungle and is part of um the native um folklore mythology or who knows perhaps Natural history. Who knows what lives in the jungle of Guyana? It's a big place and lots of people places where people haven't been. Right. So they might be there for all you know. Um, but <laughs> so, but, but the bush dida is the kind of the central Guyanese uh, supernatural creature in a uh, uh, Brooklyn dida, as the old egg is in Soul Shakedown. Um, but I also want to do, and I've been asked to do by people who've read Soul Shakedown and are demanding a sequel. So I definitely want to do a direct sequel um, in the main character Compton's voice, continuing the story at some point. But I'm not sure when that'll be. Um, might take me a couple of years. I might have to go back to Guyana on another trip and reabsorb a bit of Guyanese culture. I haven't been in a long time. Um, but that'll definitely come. That'll definitely come out at some point. And what's going to happen in it? I got to say honestly, I don't know. Just like yeah. I didn't know what's going to happen at the beginning of this one. I'm as eager to find out as you are. Yeah, there are that, a couple of things I know. Actually, there are a couple of things that um, I know that Compton himself, the main character, doesn't know. But there's a lot um, that I don't know. So I, I wait that to be revealed. Um, and while on this subject, I'll go into another planned project of mine, a very different book. So you're working on three books. You're working on two books simultaneously. I'm working on a lot of stuff simultaneously. Books, short stories. <laughs> I think it's the way I work. I, I, I don't. I, I can't really work on this one thing. Well, actually, I can't say I haven't. I do often work at one thing at a time. But it helps me if I go from one thing to the to another. Mm-hmm. Keeps it mm-hmm. fresh, fresher. And sometimes what might not work as a short story might become a part of a novel later, and so on. So always working on different little snippets of stuff. But um, another uh, plan in the works is a very different book about exploring the same kind of theme from a very different angle. So again, about the nature of souls and looking at it from a kind of science fiction, fantasy, speculative uh, viewpoint about speculating about what souls could be, but coming from a very different angle than a soul shakedown. And that's going to be called a soul reef. And uh, not to give too much away, but um, uh, certain people are going to be trying to be exploiting souls as a source of, um, power much like uh oil or something like that in wow world um but that's going to be soul reef a very different um book that'll come out in the future all right so, yeah. you're busy yeah well so. so so let's let's talk about you for a minute for a minute so you're working on all you're working on these two two uh books so what inspired you to start writing and 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 how long have you been writing 
Well, I've been writing um, from ever since I could write, I guess. Um, I haven't been writing enough lately. I need to really get back in the habit and self-publishing this book after well, after trying to publish it through traditional channels for over a decade and feeling and uh, getting a bit discouraged and getting out of the regular writing habit. You know, uh, this uh, going the self-publishing route, which I had my doubts about because I'm not a fan of Amazon and Jeff Bezos. I don't think they should be trillionaires in this world with billions of starving people. Um, but to be a self-published writer, you really have no choice but to use Amazon. You're not going to have an audience otherwise, so it, it is what it yeah. is. Um, but um, self-publishing my book was kind of giving myself a bit of a kick in the butt to really make myself take this writing thing seriously and mm-hmm. get more books out. Um, so um, getting back to your question, I've been writing ever since I could write, and what inspired me to write was reading. I always loved to read books. My I grew up around lots of books. My parents had lots of books in the house. Mm-hmm. I was reading books from you know pretty early age, and as soon as I read books, I wanted to write them. And I started writing as a kid, um, and was doing it very consistently uh, as a kid. Perhaps because you have less distractions um, as a kid than as an adult. Uh, not so consistently as an adult, but. Um, one of the, uh, I mentioned, my first attempt at writing a novel was uh, based on uh, the book, quite a famous book you might have heard of, June by Frank Herbert. Um, I just think there's going to be a new movie. Anyway, um, June, I was quite a book that one of the earliest kind of adult books I read as a um, child growing up kind of fascinated me and made me want to start writing. So I wrote a book that was perhaps a bit too heavily influenced by June. Also also watching Star Wars as a kid. I remember like, I was born in London, um, getting a bit about myself. I was born in London in 1972 and left in 1977 to move to Guyana with my family at the age of six. And one of my last memories in London was watching Star Wars right when it first came out. And boy, that movie um, you know, took my imagination on a trip and I Absolutely. wanted to also write a sequel yeah. to um, Star Wars. In fact, I wrote uh, The Return of the Jedi before The Return of the Jedi came out. I was writing the sequel to Empire Strikes Back. Stop, really? So, it wasn't very good. But, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> those kind of, so those kind of things inspired me to to write. And um, so yeah, and as you can tell, I'm a science fiction and fantasy fan and always have been. And of course, all other types of literature too. Um, but science fiction and fantasy, I feel, I like it because it has a, a broader palette than is that the right word to use? So, anyway, uh, yeah, broader palette of colors you could say to use, and other literature you can do pretty much anything you can do in any other form of literature, plus right. more explore different topics and you know different i it's in literature of ideas, um, not just character story and so on, but also ideas, uh, which I hope Soul Shakedown incorporates all those things. Uh, that's another thing I hope I wanted to do is have a somewhat original concept. It is very difficult in um, science fiction, and I don't know if it's possible. This probably has been done before, but I don't have, at least I haven't read this particular concept done quite this way before, so I hope I kind of did some kind of original concept there that maybe someone else could even take off on and do their own twist on something. Yeah. No, this is, this is uh, fascinating. So you've really, this book then has been in the mix for quite a while, at least maybe in your head for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say um, this book, um, I won't get too much into it, but it had um, uh, quite a profound and also traumatizing experience um, in the uh, turn of the 21st century. And this book was written 
at as I was coming out of that experience. experience. Well, actually, I'll be open with about what the experience is. We should talk about this, and there's no reason not to. I was diagnosed with uh, I had what's called a manic episode, um, and I was diagnosed as uh, they call it bipolar. Um, a manic episode for those that are not aware is um, quite an intense thing. You feel like you don't have to eat or sleep. You're like have endless amounts of energy. And um, you have your ideas become, let's say, distorted. Uh, you've quite become, I say, grandiose ideas. Um, so I won't go too much into the whole thing, but I was quite convinced for a minute that a nuclear war was imminent, and I had to warn people about it. And I was uh, hospitalized and uh, briefly on medication, and come out of that, and uh, I've had had been. Sane, at least as far as I can tell, not to me to judge, but uh, I feel like I'm quite sane since. So, thank, thankfully, uh, praise Jah. I just that just that one episode and no more, because for many people, this is something that really debilitates their life. Really, thankfully for me, it has been only that one time. But it was a very, um, uh, I'd say, traumatic at the time, but also profound looking back in it, um, kind of experience and, um, I don't know if there's any way that this book was directly inspired by, but I think coming out of it made me want to maybe go back into writing more seriously. So and, pro- uh, and probably channeling some of some of yeah, yeah, what you experienced. Yeah, yeah, and I wonder if even some of the kind of the man the the, the manic energy of the manic episode comes across in the book too, because um, I think the book does have a certain kind of, or I hope it does a certain kind of manic energy in a good sense that I hope it carries you along. I, I think it does. I, I think uh-huh. it's done. And it's very interesting that you're putting it in this, in this uh, uh, context for us. But, it, but, uh, but as you said too um, earlier, we will read the book and we will shape the issues and the experiences uh, based on our own. But uh, absolutely that energy uh, is there. I mean, uh, sometimes reading it for myself, I had to kind of like step back a little and there was a little scary, nightmarish kind of feeling that, you know, just but nothing for long. But you, you so certainly that that comes through, but it also comes through in a very entertaining way. So and, okay. I, and I think that that was important. Right. I was wondering if, if the horror element of it came because I wanted to do a lot of things with Soul Shakedown. I don't know if I was biting off too much to chew properly. Or I, I think you left enough there that that folks will will take this take the experience where it leads them. But, yeah, but I, I, hmm? oh, sorry, let me interrupt you. I was going to say definitely. Um, horror was another kind of genre I wanted to capture. Right. In it, I wanted, the, I wanted the action, adventure, obviously science fiction, fantasy with ideas and concepts. Also, just action, adventure, and you know, thrills and spills. Um, and definitely a very strong comedic edge, but I definitely wanted there to be a horrifying edge in there too, which I was wondering if I could balance the comedy and the horror or if they would cancel each other out. So I'm glad you said that you did get a sense oh, of that. Oh, yeah. Thing. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, you, you as I said too, the, the beauty of this is that if you're a reader, your imagination also carries you through this. So I, you know, I think, you know, the, the, the reader's own imagination will help to color some of what you're, what you're talking about. Maybe it'll be, the experience will be more intense for some people. Certainly for me, uh, the, the comedic, um, the, the humor, uh, was very, very powerful. 
And certainly there was a little bit of the horror nightmarish too that that you got, but it, it wasn't enough. I'm not into horror stuff and I'm, you know, not into science fiction except for uh, Star Trek. But uh-huh. this book certainly kept me reading. I mean, you know, it, it certainly did what it was supposed to do. It kept me reading. So, it, you know, it, that works. I think it works on all fronts in many of the ways that you have you have described it. So, uh, you know, I, I think I started saying when I when we started and I deliberately wanted to play the opening excerpt that you uh, that you gave us as a teaser on your Facebook page. And and I listened to that. I got the book and I started reading and I so wanted to hear your voice. And so my question is, will there be an audiobook version of, of this book? Because I think it has to be. Not that you can't read it and enjoy it as a book, because I think absolutely you can. And I noticed, too, you also have a glossary of, of some of those um, Krilly's words So for people who needed that. But I don't think you even that you even need it, because you can just kind of like go with the flow on this and get the get the meaning and get the um, experiences. Obviously, there's some traditional things that you probably would have to look up to give a little more context. But I didn't have a problem following it at all. But the way that you read the book, though, is just fabulous. And I think it would, and uh, without an audio, I mean, I think you would be remiss not to um, pursue an audiobook uh, version of Soul Shakedown. What do you say? Definitely, definitely. And in, in fact, um, there's a plan in the works. Um, nice. With um, uh, a collaboration with a local uh, studio here called uh, Creature Sound. Actually, they're much more than the studio. Let me a little plug for uh, Creature Sound. When I say here, I currently live in Swansea, Wales, UK. And uh, Creature Sound is a local recording studio set up by um, a Jamaican lady from London. Her name is Kaz. She moved here with her husband, her and her husband, Alan, a few years back. And they've been a real kind of a force of nature since they've come here. They're both uh, formerly homeless. And they, uh, they're they into music and they've come and they've established this recording studio. But because of their experience being homeless, they also use it as a place where, for example, homeless people can come and have a shower. Wow. Um, yeah shower facilities there and and as well and they're also a venue for all local music of all different genres um to perform obviously due to the coronavirus situation not currently functioning but once things are back up and running uh, as far as once feasible hopefully fingers crossed in the future once it's um health-wise feasible for us to do it i'll definitely be recording in their studio and they've been so kind as actually do a little um, promotional video advertising my book, and they're saying that um, they're going to sponsor for every hundred people buying the book. They're going to give me more free time to record in their studio. So very nice. So, so why don't you uh, give us that the title of your book? Tell us where you can get it, and if I can um, um, ask you as we 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 wrap up this uh, interview, if you can you you shared a little snippet from the the back of the book. Can you give us another another little a little taste of this to kind of like mm-hmm. tease us a little bit more? Because I just love hearing your voice. Sure, Maronke. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm like <laughs> punching all over the place during this interview here. But um, so uh, yeah, um, so uh, the book is Soul Shakedown, subtitled A Metaphysical Adventure by Gareth R. Miles, and you can find it on Amazon. 
in whatever country you're in, whether that in America, Amazon.com, Britain, Amazon.co.uk, whatever, because it's different for each site. Just look for it on whichever site in your country on Amazon, you'll find it. I've also got a website, um, www.garethrmiles.com. So you can check out, it's got the link to the get the book, and um, you can check that excerpt of me reading that you heard at the beginning. There's a link to the YouTube clip of that, and a bit about myself. And eventually there'll be a blog. I haven't got to writing the blog yet, but I will soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's that. And, yeah, what you want a little more excerpt, is it? So Yes, give you one please. More yes, more please. <laughs> Um, so I'm giving you this one little excerpt. It doesn't give anything away of the plot, but gives you maybe another little taste of the kind of language and rhythm of uh, the book. So I'll start reading. Just to be in the context, the character Compton is talking about by um, his uh, fiancé, Sammy, who's uh, African-American, um, why he's hesitant to tell her about um, a supernatural experience he's had because he doesn't think she'll believe him. So he goes, see, we from Guyana, it's more easy for we to accept this kind of thing. But if you know GT, that's Guyana, you would know it kind of a mystical place. The way how you could feel the mangrove swamp and the rainforest pushing up under the concrete in Georgetown, ready for rec- reclaim their space. The way how that Rick kick sound the frog's neck just like a reggae guitar. The way how they stitch itself into your brain and weave into the insects whirring and rattling and the birds trilling till they end up hypnotized. And then when evening falls, you start seeing all kind of things in the shadows. The way how all them rows of tiny candles do stand sentry under the starlight during Diwali. Or how when you pass by Granny Morris' house in the village, you're hearing them comfort drums hammering your brain and pulsing in down your spine. So you start feeling as possessed as the comfort people themselves. Okay, okay, you're getting the picture. I just saying these Yankee people who go up here in car instead of cricket and train in, instead of toad, it's hard for them to swallow the idea of supernatural things or whatever you want to call them. All right. So I, you know, I want to say thank you so much, um, Gareth, for the opportunity to talk to you. This oh, has been so this, it's been a great pleasure and great opportunity. Thank you so much. A great pleasure for, for me also and for our listeners. I hope that we can we can have you on again, maybe to talk about when when audio the audiobook uh, launches or when the other book, Brooklyn Die Die, or Brooklyn even Die-Dye. Yeah, or even Soul Reef when that comes when they come out, maybe you can talk to us again. But we certainly love to hear you and, and hear you um share your experience uh, writing the book and also some of these characters. Uh, So again, thank you so much for the opportunity. So there you have it. We've been talking to Gareth R. Miles, talking about his new book, Soul Shakedown, A Metaphysical Adventure. It's available on Amazon.com. You can also get it on his website, www.garethrmiles.com. I say get that book immediately. You've heard him talk about it. It is an experience to to read. Uh, so uh, don't don't uh, waste time on there. And let us know what you what you think about it. Uh, once again, Gareth, thank you so much, and well, we look forward you to you. We look forward to um, you coming on our show again. Thank you. Right on, man. I look I look forward to man. What a pleasure, Ronke. Thank Bless you. Bless up, audience. One love to other people out there. Respect. That's all. Thank you. 
If you enjoyed our show today, please subscribe and leave us feedback. We'd love to hear from you. You can also follow us on Facebook at Eyes on Africa Caribbean and on our website, eyesonafricacaribbean.buzzsprout.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. Oh, 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 oh,